Welcome to this sacred life in the divine feminine spotlight. I'm Shan Vanderleek, founder of TransformationGoddess.com and producer of the Goddess Talk Sessions. Every month I share transformational conversations with women who walk in beauty with the strength, courage, and pleasure of reclaiming their feminine sovereignty. Women all over the world are rising up to have their voices heard and to be treated with respect. I like to give each of their voices a platform so that they can speak their truth and inspire other listeners to do the same. Today, it's my honor to introduce you to Danielle Dulski, who, amongst many things, is a midwife for helping us dig deep to access our holy wildness. She reminds us that we were all wild once. I first introduced you to Danielle during the Goddess Talk sessions, and again when she published her first book, Woman Most Wild. Danielle is the author of The Holy Wild and Woman Most Wild. She is an artist, yoga teacher, energy worker, and founder of Living Mandala Yoga teacher training programs. She leads women's circles, witchcraft workshops, and energy healing trainings, and lives in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Today, we'll be discussing her new book, The Holy Wild, a heathen Bible for the untamed woman. Holy Wild is a Bible for the modern witch, female, male, or beyond the gender binary, who wants to deepen their spiritual power and embody magic at a new level. It is the book that can open up a previously timid or nervous person who is afraid, yet excited about their energetic power. It's a guidebook for anyone who wants to look at their lives in a new way and reclaim the passionate vibrancy that our patriarchal culture may have stifled or tried to snuff out. It really is a potent and powerful read. Welcome to This Sacred Life, Danielle. Hi, Shan. Thank you. Very happy to be here. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. It's been so cool watching this all unfold for you, all of this writing and teaching and beauty. And wow, <laughs> you're just right in the vortex of so much goodness. I am just in time for the season of The Witch too. <laughs> right? I know it. <laughs> so your book is called The Holy Wild, A Heathen Bible for the Untamed Woman. How did you come up with this awesome title? Um, yeah, it was, it was a process. I think I had, I had the holy wild in my head for a long time. So, so writing about this idea of, you know, nature as being holy and those kind of suppressed parts of the feminine that we tend to call wild in more, a, a more derogatory way, like, like they're out of control or immature or whatever, um, and reclaiming those as holy. So, so that first part, the holy wild, I've had that kind of on the back burner of my brain for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the heathen Bible for the untamed woman, that, that was, you know, coming together in pieces. I think at first it was Bible for the untamed priestess. And then that didn't seem quite right. And then, um, and then it was, we needed an adjective for Bible. And what was the perfect adjective for Bible? <laughs> and then there were all of these ideas being tossed around, um, you know, between me and my publisher. And none of them seemed quite right. And then I was like, oh, heathen, that's the right word. And there was a little bit of trepidation yeah, right. <laughs> among the people that had to, you know, market it. Well, I think people are scared of that word. 
Um, but yeah, in the end, we won. And <laughs> yeah, well, that's fantastic. You know, they're probably. Uh, there are people afraid of that word just as much as they are hearing about an untamed woman. I mean, you know, watch yourself. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, and you know, or or the word witch, and it's right. like, you know, where does that fear come from? And in the end, the people that are usually that have that kind of visceral gut fear to the word heathen, um, you know, they don't even really understand what the word means. And if yeah. they dig down it deep enough, it's like, oh, that word's not scary at all. <laughs> yes. And it's the, it's the digging deep that you do such a fine job helping people with to yeah. be able to take that curiosity and say, okay, this is intriguing. I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. Right. Yeah. That's what I think it's all about. You know, d- digging deep into the psyche to find out, you know, what, what fears are useful, <laughs> and yes. what, be- what beliefs are really yours and which ones need to go. So. Without yeah. question. So let's talk a bit about who you wrote this book for. Mm. I wrote this book for, for anyone um, that is looking to know their own story as important, as valuable, um, for anyone who maybe feels they haven't been served in the way they wanted to be by the the books that are, that are called sacred and and in a way that's still very respectful i think of the sacred text but but that are looking to know their own story is just as holy as anyone that might have been written in any text that that's called sacred so it's this you know reclaiming of the divine, the feminine divine, the feminine wild divine through story and revisioning these feminine archetypes that might have been uh, framed as kind of shameful or maybe even sinful um, in, within the context of patriarchal religion, like, like Lilith, like Jezebel, like, you know, Mary Magdalene, revisioning those feminine archetypes as actually embodying the jewels, the gems, the gold um, of every woman's story. So without question and such a healthy reclamation when you think about how many, including me, have carried around so much shame and around uh, choices around our past historical uh, scenarios, both in our lives and others. Uh, all of it that that we lug around, and mm-hmm. then when you finally have this understanding, it's so freeing. It just it lifts you up in a way. It lightens things up in a way that boy, I, I, I was surprised, and, yeah. and I'm still working at it for sure. But it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I and you know I think that it's it's so deep in there, you know, particularly among women who were raised in, in very religious households um, where, where questions weren't permitted, right? right? That's what I think the, the real wound comes from is that asking these questions and the questions being like deemed sim- sinful somehow. Uh, it's right. like, I just, I'm just asking, I just really want to know why she was so bad or, um, you know, or how do we know that? And, um, and yeah, how damaging that can be. As a, as a teenager, I became a, um, at the time they called it catechism. I became a catechism dropout. 
because I asked too many <laughs> because I asked too many questions, and it really I wasn't getting any answers. Right. At, you know, at, at that point, and I was just irreverent enough at that time as well to be like, well, this doesn't this doesn't work for me. And, right. Um, and so I just skipped, and yeah. you know, <laughs> I was just I don't even know. <laughs> I, I think back about it now. Danielle, and I don't even know if my mother even knew that I skipped. I mean, still went through, <laughs> I still went through with my confirmation. You know, I know I have a confirmation name. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like the end of it for me because it just just didn't ring true even at that young time in my life. And now it now it makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a lot of those stories. Um <laughs> similar similar stories being uh being raised pretty strict born again Christian and going to a born again Christian elementary school and then for a few years church twice a week. So it was really like this huge part of my socialization was was this religion where pretty much most aspects of the feminine experience were viewed as sinful. Yes, and, right. And having this kind, you know, not having any words for it, not not calling it wild feminine or or anything like I would call it now, but but having this knowing during childhood of like, you know, this something is not right. <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> Where is my story in this? You know, how how am I anything but a but a servant in this? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so powerful. Well, and, and your storytelling now and your poetry, poetry writing and the way that you're showing up really gives so many of us a chance to look behind the curtain and see mm-hmm. what we might be able to find in, in, in a very safe way, in a very supportive way. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's always what I'm, what I'm trying to do, what I'm hoping to do through my writing. Let's dig deeper into the words wild and untamed. Mm. I, I, you know, it's hard for me to say either word without a big smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll go back and I'll look at an article that I've written or something and I'll count the number of times that I said wild and I'll have this like, oh, maybe that's too much. No. <laughs> Let's leave it. Yeah, so to me, wild is the the most authentic parts of our psyche. Our wildness are the, the those buried parts of our psyche that during childhood we usually decide that they're they're bad because they might get us socially rejected. You know, they, they aren't those parts particularly as women that are necessarily accepted by the masses mm-hmm. <laughs> because they are our, um, you know, our right to feel, our emotional integrity, our bodily autonomy, our intuition, our, our magical agency, all of those things are of the goddess and they are the reason why the witch is so feared. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then almost more than all of that, they are kind of primal and very much in nature. If we if we just look to and this is one of the messages from the book, I think that if we, if we just look to nature for our lessons, we would learn so much more. Oh, my gosh. No <laughs> doubt about do. it. No doubt. <laughs> Yeah. No doubt. I have to tell you a little story about a, an experience I just had yesterday with my neighbor. Mm. Uh, she has uh, 
chickens, the chickens were out and there was, there was a hawk circling. And so she called to ask me to come help gather them up, make sure they were safe. Anyway, this gorgeous hawk was up in a walnut tree and her uh, camouflage was just so stunning. One of those moments where when you do finally see her, you just can't believe you can see her because it's so good and so amazing. And she just let us, she just let us watch her and watch her and she'd turn and look at us and look over. And there was this sense that she wanted us to know that it really wasn't about the chickens. She had her eye on something else. Yeah. And she stayed and we stayed. <laughs> she stayed and we stayed. <laughs> and the next we knew, she made her move and um, dropped to the forest floor and snatched the rabbit that she'd been watching and flew oh, away. Okay. And flew yeah. away. Wow. And I've been having all kinds of, of hawk medicine in the last week or two, just kind of crazy, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, things happening, but that happened, and it was just you want to talk about feeling like a part of everything, just mm-hmm. being in in that moment and that power and that there, there was absolutely communication going on there mm-hmm. yeah yeah anyway, I know I mean that's kind of a tangent, but uh, when those things happen is when I feel quite wild and and quite a part of of everything uh, on this earth without being uh, separated as a woman or as a mother or as a wife or you know just part of that wildness. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's absolutely everything, you know, being able to just stop and and pay attention and not dismiss the fact that there's this amazing event going on in your backyard or whatever. Yes. yes. Um and I I think that a, a lot of women somewhere between you know ages 18 and 25 or somewhere in that just real like deep maiden time there's this message from nature and it, you know sometimes it comes from an experience like you just described or sometimes it's you know looking at the moon alone or, or something like that but there's some kind of this cosmic nod from nature that's saying, you know, you're okay mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything's going to be okay. Yes. Um, and, you know, in talking with a lot of women, everybody kind of has that, like this moment of, of um, f- feeling like they do belong to something greater and that it didn't come from, you know, a Bible verse or something like that. It came from seeing the hawk in the backyard. Or, yes. Right. And, and how much more meaningful that is, you know, that felt kind of visceral embodied um, experience of belonging to the wild is, is just absolutely everything. I give thanks every day that I live so close to so much water and wildlife. So, you know, so many forests and trees and, and all the places. So just, okay, you know, I'm done with technology. I I have to go get my feet on the ground. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I can just walk out and do it, uh, right. which, which is a bonus. Uh, but it still can be done for people who don't live in a remote rural area like I do. You can, mm-hmm. you can find those magical places because they are everywhere. They are everywhere. Yes, absolutely. Can you give us an overview of the five elements and how you made use of them in your book? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, so it started with, so the whole book is, is kind of broken into five different books. So there's the book of earth, the book of water, the book of fire, the book of air, the book of ether. And that's the order. And so earth is kind of like our ground, right? And so within each of these five books, there are three different chapters that are verses, ritual, and magic. So the earth verses are kind of like you know, um, poetry and also opportunities for writing your own stories of stability, finding your own wild home, and revisioning the Lilith archetype. Um, and then the, the ritual chapter is kind of like spells and spellcraft and also ritual ceremonies that you can do to, to better connect with the, that element. And then finally, the magic is, is path-working experiences, guided meditations, incantations for that element. So earth is our ground. Water is our sensuality and our emotional integrity. So in the water, the book of water, I work with the Salome archetype, you know, this idea of this sensual maiden reclaiming her power. And then fire, I work with the mother of Babylon <laughs> archetype. <laughs> and, you know, it's this idea of righteous rage and, and um, ferocity kind of being at the heart of our will yeah. and also our ability to, to handcraft our lives. So our, our magical agency is really seated right, in, right there at the solar plexus. So, so the fire element. The book of fire is is all about that that idea of knowing rage is not necessarily anything to be diluted or discounted or even healed really but but to instead to be utilized in order to affect change in the world um, and then the book of air is I work with Mary Magdalene and it's this idea of global community and connecting with others creating circles love, <laughs> partnership, yeah. relationship. And then finally, Ether, I, I work with Jezebel, revisioning Jezebel's story. And, and it's, it's kind of the, the hag archetype or the crone, um, which and it's such a potent time for working with the hag right now. Oh, yeah. Autumn. So intuition, the void between birth and death, ghosts, <laughs> spirits, <laughs> spirit guides, all of that is in the Book of Ether. So it's kind of this really broad overview of how the different elements might manifest in the feminine psyche, but then also in the wild and also revisioning these, these different archetypes of shamed women um, as fully embodying whatever that element is. Mm, that's fantastic. <laughs> you, Thank pr you. You, you proudly call yourself a witch. I do. And, <laughs> and really not a lot of women do. Yeah. And so I'd love to know what standing proudly in your truth as a witch, explain what that means to you. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting question because it means different things to me at different times in my life. I bet. And I always wonder, um, you know, in, in, in like this time right now of, of 
my sacred work being so um, kind of visible, uh, I always ask myself, you know, what does it mean right now to be a witch when I, for much of my life, I knew it as a solitary practice, you know, as, as right. being not necessarily invisible, but, but something that was very much done behind closed doors. And, um, you know, my, my spell work being done in the playroom with the curtains drawn while my children were taking a nap (laughs) and and that kind of thing was very, and and during childhood, you know, it was hiding all of those magical tools under my bed because those were, you know, sinful and I was going to get punished for those. So, so this, this kind of coming out and, 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 being very vocal about my witchcraft um, for about the, I guess the past 13 years or so. What does that mean for me now? It's kind of reconciling my solitary practice with being a teacher. And I, I don't know, like my level of comfort with that changes. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Yes. <laughs> you know, sometimes I do want to kind of run screaming back into the broom closet and just be like, never mind, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so it means for me right now today, it means being very connected to nature in a way that grounds me no matter what is going on work-wise, family-wise, with all of my different roles. Because that, that role that I play of which is very much close to my heart, like wrapped around my bones in a way that mother, partner, lover, teacher, even writer, you know, all of those other things it, it isn't the same, you know, which is really in there, you know, that's yeah. part of my soul that that is part of who I am. So, so um, letting that kind of anchor me when the anchor me in the wild in nature, when the rest of the world is kind of moving at hyperspeed, like it is right now. Yeah. 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 So letting which kind of be like a, a coming home um, all the time daily coming home. I love that so much. Mm. Yeah. What if our listeners today aren't quite ready to identify as a witch, but certainly want to be open to exploring and inviting more magic in, in their lives? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, um, absolutely. I do. <laughs> so uh, there, you know, there's being a witch, there's claiming the name witch, and then there's practicing witchcraft, and those two don't have to be one and the same, right? So, so to me, a witch is anyone who has claimed the name witch for herself or himself um, or themselves, and also practices witchcraft. But you can practice witchcraft, which, which is really at its heart, it, it is, it's an art, it's a practice of beauty and poetry. Yes. And so you can do that and, and have ritual and ceremony and a kinship with nature and a deep knowing of how nature's rhythms affect you in your life. You can have all of that uh, without saying, I'm a witch now, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's never, the, or there shouldn't be, this pressure to, to say that you're a witch if you're not feeling that yet. Because I do think, you know, there's different conditions for, for when someone's ready to say, 
I'm a witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll say it to themselves very quietly first, and then maybe they'll tell one other person, and then finally they'll tell right, like, right. everyone else. <laughs> um, but yeah, that practice of integrating ritual and ceremony and magic into your life is completely possible. Um, practical magic uh, is, is something that I describe in all of the magic chapters for the different elements in the book. And it's something that can be done, like I said, in the playroom or in the kitchen or, or seeing the hawk in the backyard, you know, that can be a mini spell also. So um, it's kind of just a different way of looking at the world yes. in a way that sees beauty everywhere. So even in the ugly, even in the dark and the death and all of that, being able to see the beauty and the poetry, you know, that is really a fundamental part of witchcraft. Mm. <laughs> uh, right into my bones you're speaking to me uh, so so nice a significant part of the holy wild offers the reader a chance to write their own stories their own yes. verses mm-hmm. why do you why did you include that why do you think it's so important for their experience I think, you know, it came out of, I do a lot of, uh, I have done a lot of women's circle work over the years. And whenever I have a circle, there's some kind of a writing and a sharing. And sometimes that's very funny (laughs) and lighthearted, but often it's not. Often it's this, there's the writing of the story and then there's the sharing of the story. And I think that I have seen really more magic and transformation or just as much anyway come out of that you know just a woman telling something of her experience that may have seemed very mundane to her at the time but in the writing and the sharing and just having somebody look at her and say wow you know that that's very powerful or i hear you that's my story also that you know that was absolutely everything and 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 i feel very fortunate to have been a part of so many circles where that happened so so in in the holy wild i really wanted to offer these prompts to kind of begin sharing stories that might, you know, that might seem like they're not a big deal. I think that every woman feels that way. You know, my story's not important. My story's not a big deal until they write it down. And it's like, wow, this is an epic novel I am living. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then to be, and then to be witnessed, you know, to be witnessed is so friggin' powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, there, it's most of that, that offering of the prompts to write the story, those are in the verses chapters where the revisioning of the feminine archetype um, also happens. So there's mm-hmm. this, this connection between, you know, like, can you look at your story as Lilith's story or as Mary Magdalene's story? And, and then what, you know, what realizations come from that? And, and I don't tell the reader what those realizations should be because I don't know. Right. Um, but, but yeah, there, there's a power in, in being able to write and share your story that, you know, there's, there's something of like the, the global transformation in there, you know, there's something really, really powerful in it. That's part of the awakening. I've been, uh, blown away by how much Mary Magdalene is popping up Mm. everywhere. And at least in my world, 
<laughs> yeah. And just, you know, through this poem, through that book, through this person, through this conversation, just, just she, the energy, she is just here right now helping us with this reclamation without question. It's so mm -hmm. potent. It's so potent. Yeah. I mean, she is, you know, talk about the shamed woman. <laughs> no doubt. And really, you know, being one of Jesus's most, you know, revered disciples and then, you know, being turned into the prostitute or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's interesting for me. Mary Magdalene was really like right there for years. You know, I was really into her. And then when I started writing this book, it was almost like she softened for me like her mm. archetype kind of softened and it was like this was what i was supposed to do as far as working with her mm -hmm. um and yeah and so i don't have her you know right next to me like i did for, <laughs> for years but but yeah i know that she's she's a very strong uh strong archetype yes yes mm. where can our listeners and readers get a copy of the holy wild Oh, well, so it's in bookstores now. It's also on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and IndieBound. Oh, cool. Came so just at, about anywhere. last Saturday. Yep, pretty much anywhere. <laughs> you can get it. Right on. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us today for this episode of This Sacred Life. It's always such a pleasure and honor to speak with you and to share the work, the great work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much, Shan. Yes, very happy to have been here with you. Always. Daniel Dulski is the author of The Holy Wild and Woman Most Wild. She's an artist, yoga teacher, energy worker, and founder of Living Mandala Yoga Teacher Training Programs. Find out more about her online at danieldulski.com. Thanks for listening to This Sacred Life and the Divine Feminine Spotlight. Visit transformationgoddess.com to claim our album of guided relaxations for women who do too much. And while you're there, check out our latest articles, book reviews, and resources for your goddess journey.
Thanks for listening to This Sacred Life and the Divine Feminine Spotlight. Visit TransformationGoddess.com to claim our album of guided relaxations for women who do too much. And while you're there, check out our latest articles, book reviews, and resources for your goddess journey.